Hi, I'm Elizabeth Meyer. And I'm Elizabeth Watson. And this is our podcast, Talking to Myself. Should we try that again? Because I'm laughing. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not. Maybe, maybe it's not. Fine. Let's just go. <laughs> Can't ever really get it right. All right, so Talking to Myself is our podcast where we read self-betterment books and discuss them and how they apply to our actual lives. And this week we will be talking about the crossroads of should and must find and follow your passion. And this is a book written by Elle Luna, Mm -hmm. who I like. She's cute. She's really cute. So Elle Luna is, or was an app developer living in the Bay Area, working at an agency on a bunch of the apps that we all use every day, and basically had a quarter-life crisis. Is that how it went? And discovered that she, or decided that she needed to follow her passion, which was becoming an illustrator, painter. And that's how she ended up writing this book, because it basically chronicles her own experience of trying to step away from what she felt like she should be doing and actually go after what she felt like she must do in her life. So part of the book is about her own experience, meeting the crossroads of should and must, and choosing the must in her life. And then the rest of the book is kind of how you can do that for yourself. Right, so she categorizes it as a book of the most effective questions. No answers, because only we can come up with our own answers. So should is what we feel we ought to be doing based off of normally other people's and society's expectations of us. Yeah. So a progression of should could be go to school, graduate from high school, go to college, meet a man, get married get a dog, buy a home, have kids. Those are societal shoulds. Yes. And your must is a little bit scarier, right? Yeah, must must is the thing that we dream of doing, and it can be our calling. Right. It's the, I wish I could do blah, but I should be doing this. Right. And it's, I think one of the ways that she explained it, because she talks about it in a lot of different lights because your calling is a really complicated thing because how how do you know what your calling is some people are really lucky in her case it came to her in a dream yeah and she sort of sought out her dream but essentially and I actually highlighted this quote she said it's more about piecing together little steps on your journey and the, the quote is If you can see the path laid out in front of you, it's not your path. Your own path you make with every step you take. That's why it's your path. So, every step you take, every move you make. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So, yeah, shoulds and musts. And I think we've all got them. Yeah. I mean, so her should was working and making a salary and designing apps and her must was being a painter. She was lucky because even on her should path, she really loved her life. Which I think a lot of people are Yeah, it's are totally possible. In. So another thing that she outlines is the difference between a job and a career and a calling. Mm-hmm. She comes back to that word calling a lot. And so the job is the 9 to 5 and the career is a series of 
promotions, essentially. Series of jobs. Series of jobs, series of promotions, um, usually within the same industry. Mm -hmm. And a calling is when the work and the passion become one. Right. Yeah, I think that she was nice. It was nice because she was pretty realistic about, like, once you actually find your must, you can do it in mornings. You can do it for your job and make money in the spare time. You can do it in nights. You can do it on weekends. Like, you have to go after it. But if it's not something that's also going to make you money, you can just find room for it in your life. I thought it was crazy that when I got to the part that Philip Glass was a plumber until his stuff was actually premiering in the Met. Let's talk about this because that was such an incredible story and I love that she actually peppers in a lot of artist stories Mm -hmm. where she talks about them and their story as though they're just your average Joe Schmo and then she ends by telling you who they are and what they've accomplished. So tell us about Philip Glass. Basically he, I mean he's a composer um, and he was composing pieces and had achieved even a lot of success doing that, but felt like he could not give up something that was guaranteed to make him money, which was being a plumber, um, until his success was, like, so large that he was at the Met. So he even, like, renewed his taxi driving license (laughs) up until then, which is, I mean, that's an extreme. I think he would have been fine. Basically, there's a lot of exercises. You can totally read this book and not do any of the actual exercises. But I think if you're trying to use it as a tool to actually find your passions, you kind of have to sit with them and actually go through the process of, like, get out a notebook and write down your list of shoulds. Um, So some examples are, like, you should never blank. You should always blank. You should know better than to blank and you should not blank so do you want to do you want to give any more what are your shoulds so you I'll give you one of my shoulds yeah give us one of yours I feel very should about making money making a lot of money I should make a lot of money or like should have a career that guarantees me a good salary okay. into Let's the future. talk about this. I'm so glad that you said this because... Because you quit your job. In our- <laughs> yeah, because I quit my job <laughs> with my mortgage and no certainty of paychecks. But I, I also tend to share that sentiment, but I think of you as one of the most creative people that I know. Oh my god. Yeah. You are are blowing my mind today. And one of the things that Elle talks about in the book is that there are four main components that make it really difficult for people to pursue their musts. Mm -hmm. And one of them is money. Yes. Totally. So do you find that money can be a barrier into taking a step that you actually wish that you could be taking or do you just are you sort of one of those people that can completely disconnect from how you make money and be creative in other ways and pursue your musts in your off time like are you hoping to integrate the two yeah I think ideally I would like to but I th- money does factor into my decisions 
And in general, I'm not a very risk-taking person, which, like, (laughs) you know. Um, And anyone who knows me knows. (laughs) She's, like, dying laughing. (laughs) I'm pretty conservative (laughs) in my decisions. Um, But I try to be more risk-taking. Like, it's a conscious thing. So maybe that's, like, a should. I should. Well, no, I must take more risks. You must take more risks. That's a good one. Yeah. I think a should is that you should never be limited by other people's expectations of you. Really dangerous. And I think I think a lot of the societal shoulds come from really positive places. And yeah, because if you think about it, people don't come at it with bad intentions. There are bad intentions. It's usually guidance that's learned from shared life lessons. Right. And I think you know, especially when you're in your adolescence and you're being shaped by these shoulds, you are inheriting these guidelines that people who love you and care about you have accumulated from life experience. Yeah, I mean, I think without some of them, a lot of the steps in life would be chaos and maybe, like, the must is really finding out what is so unique to you that you have to kind of carve out as your individual take on life. Yeah. So I think my point there is not that there's something, there's anything bad about shoulds. I think that life is almost even a balance of shoulds and musts. Mm-hmm. Um, but that the musts are hard and scary and sometimes you don't have them or you don't have them yet. So like I can think of a should that I'm not going to drop even if it's not rational. Yeah. I should call my grandmother a couple times a week mm-hmm. because she is 94 years old and she's a whip and she loves hearing from her grandkids. And so even if it's like that programmed thing yeah. that I can't really explain myself mm-hmm. and I, I am sort of just meeting other people's expectations because sometimes I talk to an aunt and they're like, have you called your grandmother lately? Yeah. That's that's expectations, that's family expectations of, like, being a good granddaughter. Yeah, shoulds and musts don't have to be mutually exclusive. Yeah, they don't. Like, you can still do a lot of the shoulds. I think the point of this is more, like, finding the shoulds that are actually holding you back from doing what you must be doing. Can you think of any? Shoulds that are holding me back. This Uh, one's a little deep. This one is a little deep. I feel like, I felt like we were going to get deep here. Um, maybe once we get to our musts, I have a I'll should have that held me back for a while. Oh yeah, you should have a wedding. Oh, that's such a good one. Yeah, and that's why I was saying I I yes. almost wish that I had read this a little bit earlier. Uh, I ended up getting married at City Hall a few months ago, and it was just so lovely and so us. But I really went back and forth and. The reason I struggled wasn't because I didn't know whether or not I wanted to have a wedding. I knew I didn't want to have a wedding as soon as I got engaged. But one, I didn't want to let family down. Yeah, of course. And a lot of the feedback when I told people who I loved and trusted was just think about this because you don't want to regret it one day. Right. But you were so, I mean, you knew how you felt. I did. But then also that, that doubt, like, Am I really going to regret this in a few years? Should I should I sit and think about this more? Is this really the right decision? And 
sometimes it's hard to know really what Uh-oh. the yeah. right decision is. So we prolonged that decision and distracted ourselves with buying a home, which is ultimately how we justified to everybody else yeah. having something really low-key. You know, that was how we decided to invest. But, yeah, that was a big shift for me for a while. You should have a wedding. She doesn't really go in how to, into how to deal with other people's she reactions what she says to your... to list out the shoulds you hold on to in order to get to know your prison so that you can start to identify the things that you should maybe abandon a little bit. But she basically says... I guess it's once you know how you feel, then you won't be so concerned with other people's... And she, she says that even when you choose your your must, you are still going to have to deal with that because yeah. you live as part of a society. Yeah. But what she said... Actually, I have this quote here. Must feels inherently selfish at first, but when you choose must, you inspire others to choose it too. That's, yeah. So I think that's her way of dealing it. It's by saying if you follow what you truly believe your must is, mm-hmm. ultimately you're going to inspire other people to break free from their own should prison. Yeah. So I feel like what was super, what was also kind of connected to the should list for me was the list of fears because along with money, one of the other things that holds people back from doing their must is fears. And I know both of us are kind of have these things, but like, I don't know. Did you think about any of your fears? Totally. And actually, so we've talked about this a, a bunch where I, I feel like I'm on my path to must, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of my big fears with, with leaving my job and pursuing more of a, a freelance lifestyle was, in, in addition to money, failure. Yeah, failure is my big fear. Failure is sure. a big one. Fear is such a, or failure is such a big fear. But failure also, like, you kind of have to break it down into other fears in order to get rid of it. Because yeah. it's not just failure. It's, like, other people's perceptions or, like, my own ego or my own understanding of who I am or, like, where I'm going in this place. She has an exercise for this. Do you remember what she said No, to do? what was it? So she just has you write down the 10 things that you think are stopping you yeah. from doing your must. And the reason that she says that it's different than talking about it is because a list means that you can cross things out. Right, so yeah. So you actually, I love that she said that, because when you go through it one at a time, you can look at it and be like, that's not real. Yeah, you can't really, like, cross out failure on a list of fears, because it's so big. I mean, I guess you it could, but if you broke it but down, you, broke it down, you it could. might be easier to say, well, that's maybe not something that I should be so concerned about. Yeah. Like, I, my ego can deal with it. Yeah. Cross it off. Yeah. I feel like that's when I have to actually sit down and do, but I haven't done yet. She has another exercise that I think is pretty scary. Which I one? I was afraid of this exercise. Which one? Writing your own obituary. Oh, yeah. So she says to write the obituary that you would have if you continued on the trajectory that you are on and to write the obituary that you wish you had and compare them and see how different they are. Yeah. Do you feel like, I don't know, I feel like right now mine would be kind of different and that is scary, but then I need to do it. Yeah. I don't know. I don't really know what mine would look like because that's what's that was so hard for me. I think the reason that she liked that exercise so much is because she read other people's obituaries mm-hmm. and 
she would look at certain people and be like, wow, they had such an interesting and amazing life. Yeah. And I keep going back to that quote about how your path is yours because it's one step at a time Mm -hmm. and you don't actually know where it ends. Yeah. So it's hard for, it's hard for me to say where I want it to end because I don't really want it to limit the journey. Yeah. You're still like in process kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I think that she has that exercise where you write your own obituary and like actually kind of like do it like a pre-mortem. That's a horrible word to use here. Um, but then on the, on the next page, she talks about another way to kind of inspire yourself is acquire it one new skill a month. And I feel like I'm so much more, my personality is so much more like, I'll just do a lot of stuff instead of like sitting down and actually like analyzing and thinking it. She's really telling the truth because when my husband and I have a really active weekend where we do lots of things, we compare ourselves to Elizabeth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like to stay busy. Um, and I like, I love having hobbies or like new skills. But I think I need to sit down and do do the other exercise. I mean, so when I was reading this, if I'm being perfectly honest, I did the first part where I, like, wrote down all my shoulds. And then I kind of had to breeze through because I wasn't finished. And I was paused on the page where it was the exercise of ways to find your musts. Because I didn't really want to do any of them is that horrible for me to say I'm just being honest because they're actually really hard they're really hard and you really have to ask yourself very honest questions so we're gonna do some of them (laughs) (laughs) okay let's start with the easy one okay is there anything else you want to go into first no let's do let's just do it yeah so these are all like very like look within what are some things you do just for fun Uh, I like reading books. Although, is it always just for fun? Sometimes it's because... Because you have a podcast recording coming up? it's because I have, like, (laughs) I'm shit, I'm recording my podcast tomorrow. I'm 50% of the way through this book. Um, Hug my dog. I always hug my dog for fun. Wait, can I tell you? I read an article the other day that said that dogs don't like it when you hug them. I saw that, too. I don't believe it. It's like if you can look at their body language, they look really <laughs> uncomfortable when you're hugging their bodies. I know. I hate that article. Yeah. My dog definitely doesn't love it when it's I like hug her. 90% of dogs pulled said. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Something a friend does that you feel envious about. This one was rough. This one's rough. I have one. Yeah. And I shouldn't feel envious about it. I should just realize that... I can do things like that, too. I have a friend who quit her job and went traveling for three months. I was envious about that, I have to say. Yeah, you could But she deserved that. it. She totally deserved it. I shouldn't be envious. Like, I think the word envy, the reason that's challenging here, is because it has a well, negative Well, there's so many yeah. But, yeah, I sort of see people who get to travel a lot, and I'm like, Ugh. Yeah, I get really jealous. I get jealous. And that's one of my not favorite characteristics about myself. Also that I'm so risk averse. (laughs) Um, No, but I definitely get jealous. And so mine for that one is like, I feel very passionate about sustainability in the fashion industry. And I've been seeing more and more people investing their time that way, whether it be on sustainable brands or like, just doing things that are making the industry overall more sustainable, like 
ecologically and from a business perspective. And that always makes me feel like I get this like little like jealous pang. Why well, can't I do that? Sorry. I can. I have to bring back another one of our books. The first yeah. one we read, Big Magic, yeah. Creative Living Beyond Fear. If you have an idea, you have to make a pact with it and see it through or else it wasn't really your idea. So just go for it. Yeah, You've maybe been some about sustainability and fashion for a few years. I know. And it's becoming pretty hot now. I know. Got to go for it. I have to go for it. Maybe it's your must. Stating it. Yeah. Is one way. Yeah. To actually go for it. All right. How about things you do when you're procrastinating? Surf the internet. It's the freaking worst. And I've learned that about myself to the point where if I really need to get something done professionally mostly yeah I print things and close my computer and write everything by hand you used to work for the EPA oh I know that it's not environmentally friendly if anything I try to use the backs of old papers and things like that (laughs) having having things hard copy makes it so that I am pretty much guaranteed not to be distracted well at least you know how to work around it totally come on recycle afterwards totally I play stupid iPhone games yeah, can't do it. They're horrible. I I'll can't. play them like nonstop for like two weeks and then I have to delete it. Yeah, so I don't download them anymore because I know that I'm addicted to computer things. I probably have spent one year of my cumulative life playing Snood. I don't even remember what that is. <laughs> I, I only, do remember, but I don't. I only am thinking about it because somebody mentioned what it. What was it? It was the one with little creatures and you shoot things at it to try to eliminate Rose. It's like Tetris, yeah. but with little characters. Yeah. And I played it all throughout high school. I think it was even middle school when I started because I had AOL and uh, parental controls that had a time limit that kicked me off at 8.30. Oh. So when my internet went kaput, I played Snood. Oh, my God. Into You're like, the early hours. Don't worry. I'm not going to go talk to you, parents. I'm still going to sit <laughs> I'm here. I'm still going to sit here and be antisocial. Um, I'm even more pissed because I was in the middle of a conversation with a kid I have a crush on. <gasps> If you had one day to pursue some idea, activity, or project, what are three things that come to mind first? Did it say one day? One day. One day. One day for a project. I mean, I wish I could say something really productive, but I would probably do a new arts and crafts project. Yeah. Like, pretty much any time I can carve out a whole block of time, there's just an infinite number of of crafts that I want to learn, and one of them... Um, more recently has been learning how to make a rug. Ooh. Just because those techniques used in making a rug are really good for those big wall weavings. Yeah. So, yeah, I would do a crafts project for sure. How about you? First thing that comes to mind is work on my garden. That's good. <laughs> yeah, I'm so old. <laughs> you, you took gardening classes at the New York, at the Brooklyn Botanical Garden, yeah. right? Years Hence, ago. Yeah, which is like, like, it's like learn a new skill once a month. Like I literally yeah. like took a gardening class. And you um, go birding. Yeah, and I go birding. <laughs> um, so my first one would be work on my garden and like make it amazing. And then my second one would be like do a craft project for the day. Yeah, yeah love arts and crafts. Also, but I don't know how that pertains to my passion. My must. But it must. That's and that's what she talks about too, right? Like yeah. If you keep doing all of these little projects, at some point you're going to see where they intersect. Yeah, basically. She had the same thing because with her 
even with the app that she was working on that she really loved, mm-hmm. I think she was a UX designer for the yeah. app. So it still was very design-oriented. She was thinking much more about the customer in that line of work than she was when she painted something. Mm-hmm. But it was still showing that in her life, sort of one decision ultimately yeah. led to another, which led to her must. She basically says you have to, like, answer all these questions and do all these exercises, and then you pin them up on a board and, like, circle the connecting thread to all of them, like you're, like, Carrie Matheson on that show. Maybe that's your calling. (laughs) Being a spy? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think it probably is. Yeah. Something you really enjoyed doing as a kid. Like, what was your favorite activity as a kid? This is kind of a weird one, but... My friend and I, he lived around the corner from me, and we had been friends since we were about four, used to make crazy treasure maps. But we would do them of, like, our homes and our backyards. We would go, and we'd plot everything out, and then we'd draw a home, and then we'd measure things, and we'd have little scales. And we would start on pieces of 8x10 computer paper and made them so huge that we just kept connecting more with tape. So we had this, like, massive map, and we marked all the places we thought there was treasure, and then we would go look for treasure. That was a really big thing for us for a while. That's amazing. I wonder what your parents thought. They loved it. They actually had a... Would they ever plant treasure for you guys? They had a pirate treasure hunt birthday party for me one year, and all of the different stations had different maps with different clues, and we found treasure all over the place, and they didn't just do it in our backyard they did it all over the town so we would like walk in little groups and it was like a pirate dress up thing everyone dressed up as a pirate but it was a treasure hunt birthday party and there were treasures all over the place with maps that is so amazing i I get really excited every time i think about it andres is gonna have to do that for you for like some big event well so actually he proposed he already did scavenger hunt oh yeah because he knows how into scavenger hunts i am that's so good yeah this kind of feels like tell, a table topic. Oh, what did I like to do? I was really into fashion when I was little. I would, like, design outfits. I also really loved doing art, like painting and drawing. Everything you've said comes back to something crafty and creative. Yeah, maybe I'm a creative at heart. I think you are. Except trapped for the in making a, loads of money part. Trapped in a capitalist. Yeah. I know. It's because you're not a risk taker. I know. That's why you're so successful, though. Well, we'll see. And then there was another really good illustration section about different ways that people feel rich that have nothing to do with money, which probably is relevant to me at this moment. Read some of them. Some of them. Watching the sunrise, making a meal for someone special, writing a handwritten note taking a pointless bike bike ride, taking the long way home, making tea before bed, having belly laughs with a friend, making it to your favorite exercise class, or mine, which, like, I don't really do, but it, like, feels very aspirational to me. This is, like, so cheesy. Going on a walking meeting. I feel like that's, like, the nicest thing. I love that, too. I mean, I work in Times Square, so it's not, like, great walking but it just feels like a really nice way to like be able to like have a pause during the work day. Yeah, that feels really nice. I I don't know if this directly connects, but I wanted to share that I went for sushi last night with one of my friends and 
they have um, this place, which I'd never gone to, has uh, Disconnect Tuesdays. And Aww. if you want to participate, you put your cell phone in a bento box and wrap it up and don't touch it for your entire meal. And when they come back and bring you the check, you get 20% off your, your bill if you left your phone there the entire time and just interacted with the humans that you're with. That is such it's a good idea. It's crazy that they have to do it, but I, I thought it was amazing. It really was so nice. It yeah. was so nice not to check my phone. It was so nice to just completely engage. And it's like, I don't even want to check my phone sometimes. It's like a tick. It's a tick. I went out, we went out to celebrate some coworkers' birthdays last week for lunch. And one of my coworkers took photos. My coworker, Jenny, I can say her name because she designed our logo, which is awesome. Ooh, Although thanks, it's Jenny. like the narrative of like the chronological order of this is so crazy. I know. Um, anyway. We'll um, and she took pictures and all the pictures had me like taking pictures of everything and being on my phone. It made me feel like a bunch of garbage. Like yeah. put down your phone, Elizabeth. I think one of her, one of Elle Luna's th- ways to disconnect is to go camping without your yeah, phone. Yeah, without technology. And I was thinking about that. I was like, would I ever go camping without technology? Because no nothing's so way. cool. And you want to Instagram and Snapchat it. Also maps. And then maps. That was really the big thing. I was like, even if I wanted to be in- adventuresome, I feel like I would need it for hiking, which is crazy. But this is crazy. Because we could go hike with a paper map we'll see I, I mean I could figure it out I feel like you guys got lost <laughs> on a long hike recently in Joshua Tree right yeah yeah I've gotten lost a few times it's okay, okay. Makes yeah. for a good story. <laughs> well so I really liked this book yeah I think like it's not groundbreaking but it's beautiful and if you actually take the time to do the exercises you can come out of it with a new understanding of your place in life. So maybe one of our upcoming highs and lows will be going through these exercises and really recognizing our calling. Well, you're already on your way. You're so lucky. (laughs) Well, I'm on my path, but that doesn't mean I have the answers. I'm just asking all the questions. Yeah, you're being very modest, but that's all right. Anyway, yeah, I really liked it as well. And I think... Again, it like it makes a great gift. So that concludes this episode of talking to myself. And we'll get at you next time. Yeah. See you soon. Bye.